Hey, it's Matthew Sheffield. As a subscriber to Theory of Change, I wanted to let you know about an additional podcast that I'm launching. It's called So This Just Happened. And my co-host for the show is Callie Holloway. She's a very thoughtful journalist who you may have seen writing at The Nation and The Daily Beast. So This Just Happened is going to focus on the people and personalities behind the news. This political moment that we're all sharing together is really complicated, not just to understand what's happening, but also who we want to be ourselves. Callie and I will be discussing why people in the news are doing the things they do, with a particular emphasis on stories about race, gender, and religion. Along the way, we'll be telling some of our own individual stories as well. Each episode is part of a larger conversation, so you'll notice that there will never be a formal introduction. Going forward, Theory of Change will be published on Mondays, Doom Scroll will come out on Wednesdays, and So This Just Happened will be published on Fridays. But the best descriptions are no substitute for the real thing, so please take a listen. I hope you'll enjoy. And if you're not yet a paid subscriber to Flux, I would definitely appreciate it if you would consider doing so. Thanks a lot. So speaking of Satan, you know, that's the centerpiece of so many of these MAGA rap, dare I call them, hits. Uh, oh, God, yes. It that is. Are all no. over the place. This guy, that guy, well, the, I think the most popular of them is Forgiato Blow. Who's is that the, how you say it? I don't even know. I, I, I saw someone say Forgiato Blow on YouTube, but I just, I feel like, fuck it, it's got to be Forgiato Blow. It just doesn't phonetically, like, looking at the word, it's got to be said that way. But... You know, that guy's just like a super trust fund kid who tried a bunch of other stuff. Actually had, this is what I did not know. He actually had, has done collaborations with like Rick Ross and Kodak Black before this. And then kind of like in 2016, just like sensed what was coming and made a song that was, because he was like, oh, Trump's a super rich kid. (gasps) I'm a super rich kid too. And like made this like ode to Trump because he was like, I could be Trump. Trump could be me. And yeah. and then like that like launched his quote unquote career. Yeah. Well and and his, his number one hit so far has been an anti target song because it's just so weird and it the lyrics of it, they're just straight up satanic spiritual warfare stuff in there. There's a number of things that I thought were kind of hilarious in there. But like, why, yeah. why, wait, why was he grabbing Tampax boxes? Well, okay, so that's what, that's what I was going to say is that, so musically, like they understand the form, like they have, I mean, the lyrics aren't particularly creative, right? but at least they understand, like they understand how to package it with the beat. Right, um, yeah. It's not like a complete abortion of a song irrespective of the lyrics <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh but when you so but but on the other hand the lyrics are what's so important here but the staging also is where they fail just as badly as they did with the logic of the lyrics because they're talking about target targeting kids and the they they show one rainbow piece of merchandise which is champagne which kids can't buy and then one of the guys is looking at tampax Uh, products on the shelf and the reason he's looking at them is because on the back of tampax tampons they have a flow chart recommending which oh my god is that really it yes yes because because there's colors kelly
would they leave that in though? Because surely before, wow. Well, clearly no woman was involved <laughs> with making that video. And then, no, and then they had this other guy looking at toys that were just fucking toys. Yeah. Like they did not have anything rainbow on them at all. I guess they were like multicolored, different colored dinosaurs or so. I couldn't tell yeah. what the toy was, but it's like, that's what they but it were... shows their cynicism. It means that they like fully understand that they don't have to actually present anything real to their audience. These people will just eat it up. They just have to say what they need to say. Yeah, but that is the reality, though. Like rap as an expression form, once it began becoming a form in New York in the 80s, it was a, a means of telling people this is how things are. Right. Uh, and, and it this still is, is me in many ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and... But I'm saying, but like as a form, that's how it started. And so that's what they're trying to tap into. But like they're literally lying continuously about the very thing that they claim is happening in this song. And right. you can see it by looking at their fucking video. It's a lie. And yeah, because I, I, I mean, the guys at the, at the end, the, the singer part of that song, the guys literally talking about wash it in the blood of Christ. That's what's needed. And God is coming for revenge against motherfucking Target. <laughs> I mean, this shit, like this is, people, I, I don't like comparing it to radical Islam because this is radical Christianity, but it is radical religion. And yeah, I, you, know, and you don't have to is, compare it to radical Islam. Like it's, it, it is its own. It's like, yeah, but this is the kind of song or rhetoric that is encouraging people to go and blow up Target. You're, you're telling them, Satan is inside of Target. Demons are inside of Target. So if you really believe that, well, then I guess it's okay to go do something like that under this line of thought. But he's also, yeah. But I mean, these are the same people who are obsessed with, I just think it's like he, they, they really do have an audience, right? Like I, when I was kind of reviewing some of their, like their most recent song, but then like just their presence that I didn't really know much about before the Target song blew up. Oh yeah, we'll talk about that, the most recent one. What's that one? Yeah, it's MAGA's MVP, and it's about Marjorie Taylor Greene. She actually is in the video. I've, like, completely had nothing to do with politics. It is super cringe because it's super cringe. Like, it wouldn't matter what he was talking about. Like, Marjorie Taylor Greene looks so uncomfortable in every shot. Like, just, there's zero that's, like, cool about it. He actually references, he, mean, he references baby blood, but there's also, there's, like, bits of samples of her talking, and she's talking about Democrats raping children, and that's, mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of the theme of the song, right? And it's her sitting in a, on, a, on a throne, and it's, just, like, but just, like, not even A for effort. Like, it just, the whole the video is just like so bad and just yeah and then that's the staging of it's all wrong yeah because like i mean there are there is a type of song of, in praise of a person right but yeah. usually if it's a woman like it's hagiographical hey, and like you show her being sexy and smart or whatever and like i think that's what they were trying to do but it's just literally her sitting on this dumpy fake game of thrones throne and i guess a, a pickup truck or something like that and just like a big car like a yeah it's a car yeah, like, or something and yeah, I, just I mean looking... i think it's less the sexiness factor <clears throat> they were going for than more more like she's just a straight up boss you know like i think it's mm -hmm. 
But like that doesn't come through at all because she just looks like she has no idea what the fuck she's doing. Like she has no idea how she got there. And I and I have to wonder like whose idea was this? <laughs> I think uh, the thing that's sort of hilarious about this is is one I think Republicans spend so much time co-opting black culture for their own ends and corrupting it and it, 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 like but sometimes it's just the sort of use it to their own ends so it's completely changed and doesn't mean what it meant initially but then they also try to co-op stuff and like because they know that there's like this pervasive sort of coolness associated with blackness and that's what's happening here but what you were talking about in the song is like and if you go down the rabbit hole with these dudes it's him and apparently another guy named Bryson Gray who though they're kind of the top guys and like all of their songs there's a line about just like straight up like murdering people right and like I hear Republicans talking so much to black people about how they need to like pull up their pants and just stop listening to the gangster rap which is a a genre by the way that has not been relevant for 30 years and and yet this I mean it's simple like not it's pretty on the surface but like it's just it's so lazy to me it's it, it is lazy in the same way that like they they can't even come with their come up with their own rhetoric. It's like blue lives matter. They it's it's. I feel like there's just like a real lack of creativity and just the taking over of stuff that already existed and twisting it and mm-hmm. I don't know. Get your own shit. Yeah, but it fits that audience that they're going for. They know that repeating something that they already believe because like that's. That's something I think that is the core of of right-wing media is that they don't make arguments. They repeat things that they believe. And and people think that those are arguments, but it's not. It's just stating your your feelings and your opinions. It's not an argument. And and that's why like for me when I had seen this whole debate me bro thing. Yeah. And a lot of people on the left are like I don't want to debate you because you're a dumbass. Right. But on the other hand, like what that's done is basically allowed kind of this fake bravado to develop on the right where they're like, oh, they're afraid of debating. Yeah, uh, I hate and, it so much, yeah. Yeah, and like that was why when I was tangling with uh, Moms for Liberty earlier in the month, I, she was like, have me on your podcast. And I said, okay, sure, let's do yeah. it. Speaking and of which, then, wait, tell, tell, speed up to the end of that. I want to hear like what what ha- well i'm sorry actually do tell the story but like i really want to know what happened with that because i'd love for you to pu- somehow publicly even post i don't know the end of it like i think that she i'd love for you to out her for... oh i'm going to okay. yeah no i'm going to yeah so no and like so tiffany justice the the one of the co-founders of moms for liberty had i had published or promoted a video that showed her saying that she had she that she supported a a member of her organization for quoting Hitler and just mentioned the mere mention of quoting Hitler prompted several members of the crowd to go woo Hitler <laughs> like that to me was the most revealing part of that video and so anyway so then I I called her out about it and that video went viral and apparently millions of people have seen it now and so then she was like, we don't support Hitler. Have me on your podcast. And I said, OK, sure, let's do it. And then she we began private messaging and I'm going to write about this. But we began we, we began private messaging on Twitter. And then she was like, well, I don't want to have a video debate. 
I want to have a Twitter space with you. And I was like, well, no, you, you said have me on your show. And I said, okay, so let's do it. And because I think that you don't want to be on video because you're going to run your responses to me through a committee and through your highly paid consultants. That's what you're going to do. And plus Twitter Spaces is glitchy as fuck. And I'm not yeah. going to use it anymore. Like I was hosting Twitter Spaces with Flux. Like we were doing those in 2021. And like that's, <laughs> I stopped doing it because it was so annoying mm. uh, and, and kept crashing for for our guests. And anyway, and so, yeah, she was like, no, let's, let's have it. And you can bring people and I'll bring people and we'll have a moderator. And it's like, you're completely trying to change the rules of this game here because you're afraid of me. And because, yeah, these people cannot debate. And right. there's a reason that Steven Crowder or Ben Shapiro loves to go to college campuses. Yeah, because and they find, want to debate a freshman. Yeah, yeah, like, let's go find an 18-year-old and ask him about a political theory. And, and it's like, yeah, that that's the only kind of people they can beat. <laughs> but what, is, what was the last exchange there? Like, what? how did you guys leave it? Well, so I, I was like, look, I'm, we're not, I'm not going to debate you about this in Twitter DMs, number one. And then number two, you're trying to change the, the thing that you proposed. Yeah. And I'm not going to do that. But you can just admit that you don't want to do it anymore. And she never, she never responded. responded. Yeah. So that shows like can you post that like on twitter like post the exchange on twitter i think so i I, think no i'm not saying can you that was rhetorical like oh okay or maybe i'm begging like just can you please (laughs) i mean because it's like i if she tells her i can just imagine her saying you know i i said i was gonna do it and you know i never heard back from him like i would love for you to just post receipts Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm totally going to. But actually, if there's so I would actually I could, I could write a Daily Beast article if you can tell your editor Absolutely. about the idea. Yeah, I imagine they would like it. <laughs> yeah. So because yeah. like because like and, and, and that's the thing, like I, a lot of people who are progressive, progressive subculture has gotten big enough now that they're they don't feel the need to explain themselves anymore you and say they, this every show yeah it's true though like they don't want to engage with the right and they don't understand that there's a lot of people who are tangential republicans and they don't they don't know anything about. but they don't want to they don't want to engage because i think you start you start off wanting to engage in earnest and i mean i certainly did and thinking i can have conversations with these people and they just need to they just need, need to hear logic and they just need to have someone explain it to them and they just need to have a back and forth and you realize very quickly that that is not the issue and so right. at a certain point it's like like what is uh, it's not a good yeah. use of my time yeah it's not a good use of your time I mean, it's a fucking fool's errand if to you them on you're twitter gonna... Yeah, or you know, in it's, so it's, many places. I mean, that's not the only. It hasn't been just via social media that I. I think initially when I started to engage with people that were on the right, which was probably like 2008. I think that I thought that I could do it in real life. I could do it online. I could do it in on message boards. I thought it definitely it happened in different ways. And every single time, I was like, "Oh, this is this is not smart, and I'm not. That's time I'm never going to get back, and it's useless." And this is before the rise of Trump. Like, Trumpism didn't create this thing. Trumpism just sort of put a spotlight on it or maybe exacerbated mm-hmm. it, but that was always there. And maybe we didn't have people who were as immersed in kind of conspiracy thinking and 
this cult that they're in now, but that idea that just there's no way for you to convince someone or to have them even hear you because they they have their own set of facts and they just have like the complicity bias it's is, is that the, am i using the wrong term mm-hmm. yeah it's like yeah I'm, that, I'm not sure that's the right yeah that's not i haven't used it but you know what i mean like i i just don't think that that's i, I think that there's a lot of people that just feel so fatigued by that at this point that they it's yeah. Well, yeah, no. And like, you shouldn't have to debate your own humanity. Nobody yeah, exactly. In my case, yeah, that's emotional labor. I'm not willing to do. Uh, yeah, because like, but at the same time, there, there are so many people who are kind of paying attention around the margins of this stuff, because the right wing spends so much money promoting these shitheads. Like the Daily Wire spends like, I think maybe $15 million a year on ads. Confirmation um, bias, sorry. Oh, okay. But yeah, like, no, the Daily Wire spends a lot of money on ads and like all these people, they're constantly pushing their their viewpoints into the public. And so there's a lot of people out there who are just kind of tangentially paying attention to politics. And so if you don't, I mean, it's tricky because like you have to figure out a way to understand that because like a lot of especially liberals, more centrist liberal types, they think, oh, I don't want to give people a platform. And it's like, well, Nick Fuentes and Ben Shapiro and Steven Crowder, they are bigger than the Atlantic. <laughs> and so you're not giving them a platform if you are telling people the truth about them. And so, but it's tricky. Like a lot of people don't have experience with rhetoric and debating and under that type, if you if that's not something that's your forte, I wouldn't encourage you to do that. Yeah. But, you know, if you do have experience with it, and and a great example is is Joe Rogan pushing some of this stuff and with Robert Kennedy Jr., which we'll talk about in a second. But like he he was like you got to have he, he challenged this uh, uh, this doctor named Stephen Hotez, who had had developed some co- basically very low cost COVID vaccines for use in not non developed countries, and he was like you need to debate Bobby Kennedy on my podcast. And this, and of course, the scientist is not somebody who goes and engages in debates and yeah. you know, throwdowns with people. So it isn't something that he should do. But there were a ton of people in the replies to that Twitter post of Joy Rogan's. Girl. Oh, <laughs> well, no, but the, I mean, there she were did a t- whole thread about how he, he should. He should yeah, yeah. That. Well, but I was going to say, but no, on the opposite side, like there, there are people out there whose job is science communicator, as they call themselves. And they do understand all these anti-vax arguments and how to refute them. And I and some of them, they, they replied back, hey, I'll debate him for three hours, anytime, anywhere. Have me on your podcast, Joe. And needless to say, Joe Rogan does not want to have these people on his podcast because they are the threat and they expose his, his BS for what it is. And, and that's like... Those types of people are really important for this stuff. And so if you can, if you if if no one should have, again, as I said, nobody should have to debate their humanity. But if you see somebody else being picked on and you can stand up for them, you should uh, in a way that doesn't waste your time. I mean, I, I do always say, like, there are people that are willing to do that work. There are people that want to build those bridges and they should absolutely do it. Yeah. But and I'm of course, glad that now they're there. Yeah. Of course, speaking of Robert Kennedy, Robert. Yeah. you had, <laughs> had been had, had been focusing a lot on some research about him. 
and published an article over at the Daily Beast about how he had targeted yeah, targeted Black Americans for <laughs> vaccine. See what you did there. Yeah, yeah. vaccine um, disinformation. And I, and I sort of knew when I started. I mean, obviously, like I pitched the story, so I knew that he had tried to engage that he was trying to make inroads with the black community. I just didn't realize how much effort he put into it because it was only once I started to dig into some of the stuff that I realized that he had actually like he's made these alliances with the Nation of Islam. There is a book called Medical Apartheid and he obviously was aware of the book because he called the woman Harriet Washington who's the author of the book. And this is a book that I've actually referenced a bunch. Like I feel like it's it's a go-to book for a lot of people if you're writing about yeah. uh, the horrific history of medical experimentation with black folks and stuff. So this was on his radar. Like, that's the real vulnerability for black Americans to this misinformation because of, of right. all the things that happen. So, like, I mean, just give So he has an awareness of this, right? I mean, there is a lengthy history of medical exploitation and experimentation in the U.S. that has specifically targeted black folks. And I'm sure that most of the audience has at least heard of the Tuskegee trials where the U.S. government <laughs> withheld syphilis treatment from black men in the South for, for like three decades because they wanted to see what the long-term effects would be. There's, I mean, I, there's the Marion Sims, J. Marion Sims, who was during enslavement, this white gynecologist who did all of his, experimentation on enslaved women without anesthesia just these I mean if you there, there there's a fair amount of stuff that is published about the exact Which, the yeah. details and, of the experimentation no and like that shit like it was Mangala level yeah. torture yeah of these women and it was it was related to it was related to the female reproduction system and the things that he was doing were just horrific to these women but, yeah, yeah, or a Mississippi not... appendectomy with, with black women having sterilization without their knowledge. I mean, there's a long, mm -hmm. I mean, we could get even further into, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happened around, around like radiation trials, right? With people who were institutionalized in prisons, like, I mean, <laughs> drug trials, LSD trials that mm -hmm. went on. I mean, this is kind of gross experimentation that often was done to black folks and often the poorest of black folks, the most vulnerable of black folks. And Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is really familiar with that stuff. And it's something that he's weaponized in this propaganda campaign that he's on, this anti-vaccine propaganda campaign that he has now very much focused on the black community because mm. he's taking advantage of the skepticism that is well-earned and partnering with the Nation of Islam, they apparently had a partnership that started out in 2015. And this is after he <laughs> attempted to reach out to Harriet Washington, who not only wrote the book, but also writes um, a lot about medical science. And so she was really skeptical of the things that he was saying about young black boys being poisoned by vaccines or being getting autism diagnoses after, getting after having vaccines and wasn't willing to get on board with him. And he just plowed forward and he does a lot of work, I guess, with Louis Farrakhan, who has really like trumpeted him. And he produced a documentary called Medical Racism. And he actually premiered it at the conference, the NOI's national conference in 2021, mm -hmm. which tells you like how close, how closely he's working with the Nation of Islam. But 
Which, you know, know, if you're a Republican, Louis Farrakhan is the devil incarnate. And somehow the fact that he's a close friend of RFK, like that doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, well, he's a he's a tool to help spread a gospel for RFK Jr., right? So they did a bunch of screenings in predominantly black areas and. I mean, it's had really disastrous effects even prior to 2021. Like I mentioned in the article, the measles outbreak that happened in 2017 in Minneapolis, where there's like the largest population of Somali immigrants, Somali Americans, who, because of vaccine skepticism, and they were having increasing rates of autism among their kids. And instead of the kind of medical inquiry that should have been happening to figure out why these kids were seeing more extreme versions of, I mean, because the levels of autism were on par with white kids, but they were seeing more extreme versions of it, right? Which could be an expression mm-hmm. of medical racism, right? Or bias. Um, and yeah, how that well, and there was also, yeah, and there was also the fact that autism diagnosis, as you said in the article, is not something that's common in Somalia, and they don't yeah, even have a word for They don't have a autism. word for it, right. So, like, so they were really so, floored by this. Yeah, so it's it's really you can't there's no baseline to say there's this rapid increase in this stuff in this diagnosis because there wasn't a starting point like they moved to a country where there you could be diagnosed with autism from one that you couldn't be and so you you should not lie to people and say that there's something that's causing this on anything other than that i mean this is seems like the most direct <laughs> so you can you can understand the desperation um, of those parents, for right? Sure, and, yeah, there's, yeah. and there's not a lot of there's. They but that's what's so they, disgusting. Yeah, there's yeah, like this they, exploitation. They saw an opportune moment, and they saw an audience that was searching desperately for answers, and mm-hmm. they filled the void that that information gap. And so mm-hmm. vaccination rates plummeted, and consequently, they've had two measles outbreaks there. And, and these are all people that are part of RFK's kind of general circle of vaccine skeptics. They would call themselves vaccine, vaccine skeptics, but really they're anti-vaccination propagandists. Yeah. Well, and that's like, and the thing about his, his anti-vax work, it, it fits into this larger thing of why he's so useful to the right wing. And, and, And a lot of people who have further left political viewpoints, you need to understand that you have to pursue them logically and strategically. And like, and you see that with, I mean, you've seen that ever since 2000, when Ralph Nader was documented to have been the margin of victory for George W. Bush in Florida and a couple and one other state, at least if I remember right. And, and at that point, Republicans were like, oh, well, let's find these further left people and exploit them to our benefit. And so after that moment, like when Ralph Nader ran again in 2004, there was one national television ad buy for him. And it was paid for literally by Republicans Mm. that were running these ads in Virginia, I think it was, in Pennsylvania. And they had run... They paid for ballot access for Green Party candidates in Arizona and Texas, and they were behind in the efforts to get Kanye West onto the different state ballots in in 2020. And and, and Kanye himself admitted that 
yeah. he was trying to block Biden. And, and, and like for people who look, I mean, I, I understand the Democratic Party is not I, I don't think it's the best thing ever. I'm not going to say you should consider yourself a Democrat if you have, especially if you have further left views or democratic socialist or whatever you want to call yourself. But you need to understand how to pursue those ideas in a way that is not harmful. Because the first principle of progressive politics is first do no harm yeah. in what you're doing. And so if you don't, if you want to support other parties, the first thing you have to do is push for blanket primary vote or bl like bl blanket election laws where everybody where primaries are cross partisan and whoever is the top two winners, regardless of what their party is, that's who gets to the general election or something like ranked choice voting. Like what alternative methods for selecting candidates, it allows more progressive voices to come out because I, I've talked with ranked choice voting activists and they've documented how extensively that ranked choice helps independent, un underfunded candidates, especially women who hadn't had any sort of political background. It enables them to have a higher profile because people wouldn't vote for them in, a, in the traditional first past the post system because they're like, well, nobody knows who she is, even though I like her. So under a, a, a blanket primary or a ranked choice voting, you could vote for for her and help people get to know who she was or him, depending on who it was. And like that's that's what your priority should be if you are a leftist who hates the Democrats. Push for that first, and then you can you can look at the other stuff. Yeah. Uh, so have you seen but, this new? I don't think it's actually new, but have you seen this app that you can use to shop uh, with you? It's basically a shopping partner that helps you rate politically the, the products that you pull up. And what I when I initially saw it, because the person who tweeted it attached a video that's kind of like a like a mini commercial of this woman shopping in the store, and she's scanning every item with this app that's called Beebs and it gives her a rating on how woke how woke the product is so I, I yeah. thought it was something it's that pretty... just like right wingers were using when they were going to the store so they can figure out what the next Bud Light tar tar the next Bud Light's going to be or the mm -hmm. next thing they're going to freak out about but then I actually bothered to go to the site and it turns out that you can like adjust the app to whatever your political leanings are so if you're, mm. I mean, I, I have questions about whether or not. The, well, I guess they're calling it values-based shopping, right? Right. Yeah. Uh. But th so they have a, a liberal pack, not to be confused with the social justice pack or the, there's also a separate LGBTQIA plus pack. There's an America first pack, which is distinct from the conservative pack and some people would be very here the never chompers would be very happy to hear that <laughs> well yeah i i wonder what the dis distinction on that one is because i mean on the one hand there's you might want to buy products that are only made in america if you can help it like mm -hmm. i don't see anything wrong with that necessarily but i'm sure that's probably not what they mean by america first <laughs> yeah 
the America First values tax searches for companies that focus attention and resources on the creation and protection and utilization of American domestic resource American domestic resources jobs, manufacturing, and reject the subordination of American interests in pursuit of the allure of unified globalist profits. There it is. I feel like that's probably taking your politics too personally, if this is how you're going to go in a grocery store. Yeah. I mean, I actually just think that it's, like, I would guess this this is a relatively new app and or at least that it's like advertised itself more widely since right wingers started protesting boycotting all these companies and like i just think if you were a leftist and you had to shop according to all your principles like you don't i don't want to know obviously like i know what what's behind fast fashion and like what's terrible there are but if i knew the way that every company donated every single one like i'd never i'd eat sticks like I just, it, you could grow yeah. your own food in the garden, Callie. <laughs> yeah, in my windowsill in, in New York City. <laughs> so let's see. I guess you, for an herb garden in my kitchen. Yeah, you you would only eat basil and yeah, thyme. oregano. <laughs> Whatever. Hey, maybe they could call that some stupid diet name. <laughs> some stupid what? No, like they could call it the windowsill diet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, you, you can only eat the herbs that grow in your windowsill. That's right. Yeah, yeah, you'd be guaranteed to lose so much weight so fast. You would, yeah. Probably take have to take some vitamins to not die. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but hell, you got Jordan Peterson saying you should only eat beef and water. So yeah, there's I miss that. that from him. So yeah, well, um, but it, you know, but like I, I, I think that, and here, and there's actually kind of a through line between this MAGA rap and. Uh, and right-wingers talking about values-based shopping. And that is that Donald Trump, because of his mastery of brand marketing, has turned voting Republican into a lifestyle. Yeah. It's not just something that you do every 2nd November that you could show up and go vote for the party. And, and like you see it with the, the merchandise. I mean, no person ever before yeah. had, was selling merchandise 24-7 all the way into their presidency and declared for his reelection literally the day that he was inaugurated. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just an extension of what him before. I mean, uh, yeah. Donald Trump in New York, no one thought of him as like a real estate magnet. People thought of him as a guy that was really advertising. He was the product. He just slapped his name on building. So he continued that into his presidency and yeah, lifestyle branding. But it's also, yeah, it, it's not just branding. It isn't just that he's getting people to have his image and name all over their stuff. It's also yeah. that he realized that it, for a lot of Republicans, they are about identity politics. Like that's, mm -hmm. I think, what is so fascinating about their hatred and malice toward Black Lives Matter or more accurate history about First Nations genocide. Yeah. Uh, and and slavery and, and discrimination that they like they constantly talk about other people do identity politics but it's actually them who started all of this like, right but if this you whole consider, thing is because of, of white protestants if from you the think South. of whiteness as it, uh, a normalized thing and everything else is other then you're mm -hmm. not gonna you don't see yourself yeah but it but it 
it makes for some funny things like this. <laughs> like it's, it is both terrible in the larger sense, for sure, to see that. Um, but it's also kind of hilarious sometimes. Yeah. Like that guy in the, in the, in the MAGA rap video with the tampons, like he needs to, he needs to be running his scanner on those as well. Um, oh yeah. Do you yeah. get, I wonder if you get negative points for having a, a flow chart on your, <laughs> on no, it's your funny. and you know that he's the guy that would like pitch such a fit if his girlfriend asked him to pick up tampons on his way back from the store. Like he's totally that guy. <laughs> and here he is. Yeah. Like, at least you know it, in the video like what like 30 seconds national video multiple times millions multiple of people times. picking up the tampons like yeah handfuls of tampons <laughs> i mean I, I i actually thought when you when you said when you mentioned like the scale on the back then it made sense but i thought is he making some statement about blood or like the evil of women and why they why they had the curse like i really just like wasn't getting it <laughs> yeah well no it's it, sometimes that shit is just too stupid uh, yeah and you you have to step back and like put on your dunce cap and then you can understand it <laughs> Very, yeah sad all right well to quote you it's funny because it's sad <laughs> ah yes on the on, on on doom scroll yeah well i think that's i think that's a, a good ending point here yeah. all right well Always a good conversation, Kelly. I'll talk to you soon. All right. See ya. Bye.